0: Hello, everybody. My name's Tim Perko, and you're listening to I Believe. Now what? And welcome back to another episode. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Yeah, I'm actually really pumped up and excited to be back on here. So if you weren't tracking, I live in southwest Louisiana, and we got hit by a hurricane. I lost power for about eh, a little over two weeks. I lost my internet for a little over a month. And then just a week after I got my internet back, we got hit with another hurricane, lost power, lost internet, Lo- thankfully, praise the Lord, not for long. So today's episode, I'm actually going to try something out here a little bit different, and we are going to start doing Christian news. I want to keep people informed. So we're going to go over Christian news and just essentially go over just different headlines in the news system. Uh, now that we're on this topic of Christian news, I want to talk about, my testimony a little bit from this storm, if you would, before we jump into here, because honestly, this is something I really wanted to share with you all and with as many people I could as possible. And it's just a a wonderful testimony to God's power. So, no crap, there I was. (laughs) And we were getting ready for hurricane laura hurricane laura was barreling in you know it was coming in they were saying it was coming in hot like they were like man this thing's gonna be at first it started out like oh it's gonna be like a cat two cat three and then all of a sudden cat three cat four and then when it hit it you know it was just below a cat five almost made cat five at landfall and i live about 50 miles north from the direct point of impact like draw a straight line north i mean that's pretty much where i was so I've never been through a hurricane before. You know, I've only been living down here in Louisiana for about uh, a year and a half. And, you know, wherever the Army takes me is where home is. So I've never actually experienced a direct hit from a hurricane. Well, I was about to. And essentially what happened was the hurricane hit and it was just barreling through Lake Charles. I was a bundle of nerves. I was scared. You know, the day before I was taken down... um, everything in my yard so nothing would fly all over the place. I was uh literally I have these huge pine trees, hundred foot, just super tall pine trees in my yard. And I got this one huge like hundred foot oak tree that's in the back. If any one of those trees fell down, it would land on top of my house. And then my backyard yeah, it doesn't help too that my backyard is pretty much nothing but woods. So leaves, branches, trees, everything. They're talking like this thing is coming in and it's going to be, you know, 150 mile an hour gusts and all this crazy stuff. So I was, I was a bundle of nerves and I was nervous. I literally went out to the trees after I got everything down. I put my hands on each tree and I prayed over every tree that had the possibility of falling in my house. Just praying to the Lord to just keep those roots strong, keep everything strong. Because I was nervous. I was scared. But I tell you what. There was a point where it was probably around seven, eight o'clock at night. The storm hadn't even hit yet, but the news is just making this so much worse because it was just, this thing's getting stronger. It's getting stronger. You need to take shelter. Uh, They're giving evacuation orders left and right like crazy. They're talking about unsurvivable, uh, especially for the coastline. And mind you, I'm 50 miles up from that, uh, from the actual coast, but this thing was moving so fast that it honestly didn't matter that you were 50 miles inland. You were going to get hit by some hard stuff. So in the midst of all that chaos, and, and I had a buddy who offered, hey, you want to come over to our house, man? We don't got as much trees. You can come stay with us. We were going to, and my wife, she honestly did not want to do that. She didn't want to leave the house um, she was worried about the dogs too. Uh, we would have took the dogs with us, but she was worried about our dogs in their house. And if you are a fur parent, you know exactly what I'm talking about. The Lord hasn't blessed us with children yet. So we have two fur babies that we've had for the past 12 and 13 years. Um, and those are our children. So she was worried about them in their house cause they had dogs too. And, uh, you know, I was kind of ready to go. She didn't want to. And she actually gave me a nice reality check. Now, I do think a smart person prepares. But a good, faithful person also has faith in the Lord in in what you've done. And she kind of knocked some sense into me. She said, Tim, didn't you pray over all these trees? And didn't you pray over our house? And didn't you pray that, you know, and have faith that God is going to get us through this no matter what? Um, And she was absolutely right. I remember I was doing a... uh, video on TikTok. Yes, I have a TikTok account. And I made it for the sole purpose of spreading the gospel, really. And I talked about how even if uh, I was going to praise the Lord, no matter what through this storm. And if that storm hit, and my house was fine, I'm going to praise him. If that storm hit, my house blew over, and my roof was gone, you know, and I'm climbing through rubble, I'm still going to praise him. So it was a reality check for me, you know, Where's my faith? I'm running around like a crazy person, nervous. And this isn't what Christ puts in us. You know, we aren't a slave to a spirit of fear anymore. We're essentially, we have the Holy Spirit in us. Not essentially, we do. We have the Holy Spirit inside of us. And that was, I'm not going off any notes here, by the way. So hopefully, I'm not sounding like I'm stumbling around. But essentially, that was the point where I was like, you know what? You're right. We went back into the house. It got dark. And, uh, man, I was kind of overwhelmed by some of the people in my life that I wasn't too sure on, you know, they were acquaintances, friends, whatever, but the amount of people that took the time to either call me, text me, message me on Facebook Messenger while we still had internet, uh, to check if I was okay and I was all right was amazing. It it really showed me that there are people out there that care. You know, and I... (sighs) So I don't want to get into a whole big background of me because I've probably talked about it before. But being in the army before, I was really a truly saved Christian. You know, I did a lot of things and said a lot of stuff that, you know, Christians just don't do. And when the Holy Spirit convinced me that I was wrong and what true Christianity really was, and that's following Jesus... You know, I did a 180 in my life, and people on my Facebook, social media, they probably got really sick and tired and annoyed at me talking about it, because that's all I ever wanted to talk about was God, Jesus, Scripture, the Bible, verses, become a Christian, you know, the annoying evangelist guy, and I'm still that way. (laughs) But, so I I was kind of convinced that, you know, a lot of my secular friends pretty much just, you know, probably... They unfriend me or anything like that, but I'm pretty sure that they probably blocked me or they just don't pay attention. But the fact that they saw on the news that a, that a hurricane was barreling towards where I lived in Louisiana and they took the time to call me, write me, message me, whatever the case was, was just amazing. And it also opened my eyes to hey, these people aren't ignoring me like I I thought they were. Um, you know, that's all God. take a sip of water there (laughs) anyways continuing back on with the story we hunkered down and I got this phone call from my cousin and my cousin's husband I guess you would call my cousin-in-law and uh Kim and Ken I've mentioned them on the show a couple times before Kim little plug in for her she is uh she runs her own podcast and her own ministry called Women's World Leaders so if any women out here are listening to that by all means go over there check it out Uh, God's doing some good things in her life and she wanted to make sure that she's doing her part in spreading that good news, uh, by creating this women's ministry. Uh, so go check her out. She has a podcast as well too. Now women's world leaders. Anyways, uh, they called me and you know, they live in Florida. They're used to hurricanes and they got the hurricane proof home and all that good stuff. So, but they, they were giving me some pointers and some tips and whatnot, and they, uh, just really helped calm us down, my wife and I as well, and then we prayed together, man, I tell you what, the power of prayer in a desperate time is, is never something to be underestimated, I mean, we prayed, I mean, it was probably, we prayed for probably, it was just about a 15-minute prayer, and man, I had tears flowing from my eyes. My wife had tears flowing from her eyes. We were just so deeply touched and moved, and God just really put this spirit of calmness in us, that spirit of fear that we were kind of feeling, that anxiousness, uh, all these things that you wouldn't want to feel, you know, when you're about to be faced with the unknown, especially a threat of a hurricane barreling in with 150-mile-an-hour winds. It just kind of went away. We were still smart. We stuck to our plan. We have our tornado room because we have to deal with tornadoes down here as well <laughs> in Louisiana. Uh, and we kind of retrofitted it out so that way we can stay in there for an extended period of time. Put put little futon, um, not the whole thing because it can't fit in the closet, but uh, it's just your standard closet. But we you know, took the padding off the futon, put it in there, put some food and some water in there, our storm radio and whatnot, um, and portable chargers for our phones and, uh, acts and some other stuff, you know, in case we had to hack our way out, thank the Lord, we didn't need to do that. And, uh, but we, so we were prepared, we were ready, but we just, man, the, the feeling of calmness that the Lord gave us. And then when we went in there, we were, you know, listening to the updates of the news and, uh, we were watching through Facebook live because power went out actually really early. The storm, It went out around 2 a.m. And the storm hadn't even technically made landfall yet. So power went out really, really early. And we were watching everything through Facebook Live and listening to our storm radio. And uh, just opening, you know, every now and again, stopping, pausing, opening up our Bible, reading. Uh, Man, I can't tell you how many times we read through Psalms 91. (laughs) Um, But just reading scripture from the Bible. And man, God is so amazing and God is so faithful, he just really put this calming spirit inside of us, you know, I mean, it, it was so calming to the point my wife wanted to go out and just sleep in the couch, but I'm like, no, probably shouldn't do that, you know, we got all these trees, who knows if one comes barreling through the house, uh, but lo and behold, so we wake up, uh, well, actually, we didn't, I didn't fall asleep at all that night, um, the worst part of the hurricane pretty much passed over us. Direct hit from the eye. By the time it hit us, it was downgraded to a Category 3. Still super strong, though. Man, I, those winds, so loud. It's pretty crazy. Uh, and you can hear, you know, snapping and all this stuff, stuff hitting your roof, and you're just kind of like, mm, okay, <laughs> I trust you, God. And once the eye hit up, you know, I ended up, you know, peeking my head outside the door just to get, you know, shine the flashlight because it's still dark. And yeah, man, it was devastating. I mean, there was uh, a tree in my front yard fell over. This tree was no threat to our house whatsoever. In fact, it was actually a blessing that that tree fell over because I hate that tree. I'm sorry, I shouldn't say hate. I really did not like that tree. It was just annoying. It stunk. Uh, it, was one, it was a Bradford pear tree. If anybody, if, had one of those you know exactly what I'm talking about and they just kind of grow these giant branches you know that can't the trunk can't support and they just break all over the place and they grow these flowers that look kind of cool but they just stink they smell really bad (laughs) so anyways God took care of that problem and just took that tree out that tree was snapped at the uh, at the kind of close to the base of it Um, but all the other trees that we had were still standing now, sadly, for a lot of my neighbors, that wasn't the case. Many trees, the same type of trees that I have, were blown over. They were gone. They were just flattened. Praise the Lord. Nobody had a tree really go through their house except for one, uh, at least in my little neighborhood, except for one guy, poor guy. Uh, he was in his living room, and then uh, top of the tree broke off and went jetted through his roof uh, and landed in his living room so he was, he's like, okay, maybe I better get to a safer place in the house. (laughs) But um, besides that, I mean, God really got us through the storm. Not one tree that I prayed over fell down. And we had a bunch of trees fall. I won't lie. A bunch of trees fell, but not one of the big ones that I was really worried and concerned about ended up falling over. God is faithful through the storm. God is faithful through all he does. Hopefully you're still sticking around and listening because we are going to get to the Christian news. I just really wanted to give you my testimony from that storm. And ultimately, that's the reason why I just haven't been doing podcasts in a while, because not only that, I still have a job to do in the Army. Plus, we had to do cleanup. Oh, man. I mean, the the, the time afterwards is always the, the hurricane itself. You might think is the worst part. It's really the time after where you have no power. You got to run the generator. You got to wait in line for gasoline. Any of you who live in hurricane country know exactly what I'm talking about. And now I feel that pain. You know, I grew up in Ohio uh, where we don't have to worry about that kind of stuff. Now I feel that pain. that I would see in the news what they never talk about, which is the weeks after where you have no power. It's the middle of summer. It's burning hot and you're going through all this stuff, the cleanup. Oh my gosh, the cleanup. As soon as I was done cleaning up my area and chainsawing everything down and whatnot, I, I, you know, we were pretty much right over at other people's places who weren't able to do anything. Uh, especially our church, our church stepped up. We were delivering meals. Um, we were going into people's yards, cutting down trees, you know, for older people, widows, whatnot. People just couldn't do it themselves. Uh, it was, The part that you never see in the news from a hurricane and the devastation. And then on top of that, we we got another hurricane just six weeks after that one hit. Another one comes barreling through. I mean, they still hadn't even picked up the garbage that we put out. I will not even say garbage. Garbage, tree limbs, all that stuff that you just kind of pile it right up by all that humming. By the way, that's my phone going off. Ignore that. But they you, you pile up all your rubbish and your damage, debris, all that stuff. You pile it up you know, right next to the roadside of your house. They haven't even picked all that stuff up yet. And here we got another hurricane coming through. And this one made landfall as a Cat 2. But luckily it was a weakening Cat 2. It went from a 3 to a 2. And then by the time it got to us, it was a Cat 1. And honestly, I'm not trying to diminish a Cat 1 hurricane. That's still some powerful stuff. But that Cat 1 was absolutely nothing compared to that Cat 3 Laura, oh my gosh, that thing was strong. Um, so I feel like a hurricane pro now. I feel like a vet. <laughs> been through two hurricanes in a span of six weeks. Um, but the point of the story was, one, that's why I haven't uh, been pushing anything out. It was just clean up after cleanup after trying to get internet. I mean, I didn't get internet for you know over a month uh, after this thing hit. Uh, power. It was about, like I said, I think it was like 13, 14 days we were out of power. Uh, but God was faithful. Number two, what I really wanted to get out was that God was faithful through this whole thing. Things just lined up and just happened, you know. I never I never had a generator before. I never really thought I needed one. I probably should have thought of that before I moved to Louisiana. Um, but like th- the day after the hurricane, I got a text message from my supervisor and He's like, hey, I overheard that uh, they're selling generators at Steins. It's a local hardware company. And I'm like, really? I'm, I'm surprised they even have power. I mean, nobody had power at this point. Walmart was out of power, for crying out loud. Uh, and so I went down there at 6 in the morning. And sure enough, there was almost no one in line. I, I walked in. Uh, they had generator in, in Steins and, you know, barely running, you know, just to run the machine. And I swiped my card. I got a generator. Uh and some fuel cans and went home. And luckily I had some fuel cans that I use for my lawnmower and whatnot. And I, I filled those up just in case I needed it for my truck. Um, and I was able to get a generator without waiting in a crazy long line or any of that hassle. It, it was just, you know, things like that just kind of lined up and were just such a blessing. We, we have a portable AC unit uh, that we were able to run in that generator. And, and people from the South, you know what I'm talking about. It might sound, you know, like I'm being spoiled here talking about AC, but when you live in the deep south, oh my gosh, these summers. These summers are hot. Not only are they are hot, but they're very humid. And the fact that we had this um, wall unit AC, you know, you stick in your window unit AC. There's the words I'm looking for. The fact that we had this window unit AC and we were letting a friend borrow it, but they ended up getting another one. So I went and was able to grab it back from them, hook that up to the generator. So that way we can at least get somewhat cool air inside the house while, uh, you know, so we could sleep, try sleep. Like this is the first night we didn't have it. I think it was like the first two nights we didn't have it and try sleeping in your house when it's like, you know, 90 some degrees outside and hundred degrees million percent humidity <laughs> it's pretty uncomfortable you know um and we all have to stay in like pretty much one room so that way it could try to stay as cool as possible we had the fans blowing on us man all right but that's enough about that but i just really once again wanted to sh- talk about how faithful god is to those who love him you know all things work together for the good for those who love uh, love god and who believe in him and i'm paraphrasing from that verse but Man, it's true. It is very true. God is faithful. All right, so let's get into some Christian news now that you've heard uh, my news and then my hopefully good excuse for not coming out with a podcast for a while. So, first thing up on the agenda, petition alleges culture of sexual abuse covered up dismissive uh, leaders at Moody Bible Institute. So a recently launched petition alleges that sexual abuse has been covered up at Moody Bible Institute and is urging a formal investigation. Um, man, that's kind of nuts because Moody Bible Institute was something that my dad, and if I've never told you before, my dad was a, uh, a, a Bible teacher. He was never a formal uh, pastor. I think he was like an associate pastor at best, but he was a Bible teacher. Uh, for a while, went to school and everything. Moody Bible Institute was something that he always spoke highly of. And other pastors I've talked about or or listened, you know, always spoke pretty highly of Moody Bible Institute. Um, And to see that that's happening there, it's kind of sad if that is true. I mean, this is alleged once again, so we don't know if this is true, but corruption can leak in anywhere. But it's just like what the Bible talks about. You know, if there is something hidden, deep down, it's going to come out. Uh, initially with that, Moody Bible Institute also names a megachurch pastor, Mark Job, as their new president following this controversy. And uh, they're going to sell 10 acres as well to Chicago high-rise developers. So I don't know what kind of red flag that is, but hopefully, I mean, I hope it's not true. And if it is though, I hope they get found out. And I hope that those people that were subjected to that get justice. Uh, you know, our God is a just God. If they don't get justice here on this earth, they're going to get justice in heaven. That's for sure, or hell, depending on where they are in their walk of salvation. Oh, here's a fun one. Lakewood Church, that's our good old friend Joel Olstein. Lakewood Church reopens and for their uh, returns to in-person service after seven months of absence. So Lakewood Church in Texas, that's the big giant mega church that joel olstein runs and, you know our good friend joel i can't say that okay i'm sorry i am very highly critical of joel olstein if you haven't ever listened to anything i've said before but they reopened its doors for the first time in for in-person worship uh on sunday since covid19 pandemic related restrictions began in march now this is something that i actually wanted to have a whole episode on and i was planning on doing it with one of my good body uh bodies, jeez! One of my good buddies, Jonathan Lunsford, uh, who runs Under the Cloud Ministries, he has his own podcast. Go in there, check him out. I've mentioned him a few times on this. Guy, we disagree theolog- uh, theologically about stuff, but man, we are brothers in Christ. And we just love having chats. And we really wanted to talk about this specific issue, about churches reopening during the pandemic. And honestly, when we talked about doing this episode and we're kind of formulating what we were going to do, that's when Hurricane Laura hit, and we were like, well, well, can't really do anything because God bless him. He is a line worker. Man, that's another thing from these hurricanes. God bless the line workers. Man, uh, those are unsung heroes that you never really hear about. Those line workers worked so fast and so well to get our power up in what was just an utter mess. I mean, I wish I could show you pictures of what it looked like down here. I mean, you can go on Google and probably see. I, I feel horrible. I, I don't know how they did it. In the time that they did it, you know, I thought we were going to be out of power for months with the way it looked. But God bless those line workers. Anyways, he's a line worker. He ended up working, I think it was 36 days straight. No days off. Um, You'd make some overtime money, that's for sure. I believe it was 36 days straight. If he's listening, he'll correct me and I'll retract it later on. But I think it was 36 days straight. Uh, so he had no time whatsoever to even think about doing a podcast. This dude would, you know get up for work probably i think he said around like five six in the morning and he wouldn't come home till like seven eight o'clock at night and at that point you know especially when you're out of power still he's a line worker he's still out of power (laughs) um you know all you can do is put some gas in your generator throw some food in your stomach and take a shower if you have water go to sleep wake up and then do the same thing again man i that had to be rough (sighs) but we wanted to do a podcast on that we still might get to it who knows uh because honestly, I, I, I'm I kind of, uh, we're going to get to it too under the news section, but uh, like I'm kind of on the camp where churches, you know, should have stayed opened. They should have stayed open. Um, now, granted, in the beginning of the whole coronavirus crap, and honestly, I'm, I'm tired of talking about it. I'm sure you are too. Um, but like when they said billions were going to die, I mean, obviously, okay, let's do the smart thing and close up for a little bit. Then once we realized it wasn't what it was, at least my church did this too, you know, we started reopening our doors because the hype didn't match what was actually happening. But this is something that, you know, each church kind of had to deal with and then what they, the struggles they were going through with their individual states, especially those poor churches over there in California, (coughs) excuse me. Um, so here's a sad one. Evangelical Swiss missionary executed after terrorists held her hostage for four years. Uh, an evangelical uh, missionary from Switzerland who was held captive by Islam extremists in Mali since 2016 had reportedly been killed. Switzerland's Department of Foreign Affairs said, Oh, that's so sad. Um, you know, that's the side of Christianity we don't see. In America, Uh, her name, by the way, was and I'm I'm really sorry if I mess up her last name, but it's Beatrice uh, Stockley. Beatrice Stockley. Uh, She was an evangelical missionary from Switzerland, held captive by those extremists in Mali since 2016. Uh, She was 59 years old. You know, this is the side that we don't see in America. The the absolute... Man, I'm, I'm at a loss for words. It's just... This is the stuff we just don't see. The religious intolerance. Like, yes, there's, there, there's a lot of people out there who hate Christianity here in America. But we are protected by so many laws and so many um, litigations and whatnot of freedom of religion that we don't really have to worry about being held captive and then killed for what we believe in, but this isn't the reality everywhere else. That's not the reality everywhere else. You know, she, I don't know anything about her. I've never actually heard of her before, but I'm sure she was out there spreading the good news of the gospel and man, that's what happens. But you know, that's the calling that Christ gave us. Christ didn't say that this life was going to be easy. And this life was just going to be cush and easy for a Christian. Uh, he said, pick up your cross and follow me. Uh, we're going to suffer for Christ's sake as Christians in this world. And yes, in America, we don't really have to worry about public beheadings or being executed and held captive. But we do face some types of backlash as Christians, whether it be ostracization from society, being made fun of by atheists and being totally disregarded in schools and whatnot uh, because we believe in creation and not science, uh, but this is the reality, you know. I was reading another story not too long ago about you know in China, just people being shot for spreading the gospel. North Korea, I mean, there's there's Chinese missionaries smuggling Bibles into North Korea. You get caught with one of those, you're done. You're going to a concentration camp or you're being executed. It's sad. But this is the calling that Christ gave to people, you know, when we spread the word of the gospel out. <sighs> so here's another one. Michigan pastor leaves church over Trump support. Christians, he says, Christians abandoned the role of holding the president accountable. Here is a fun, interesting topic. Um, so, Man. Christians and Trump, President Trump. I'm in the military, so I need to address him with respect, and he is our president, and so I will address him with respect, just as I did with President Obama. Obviously, I am more of a Republican than I am of anything else, just because Republicans tend to hold more Bible true values. But it seems like the evangelical community today are um, just just look at Trump like he's this holy. President Trump is this holy man. Doing God's work, and I, you know, I don't see that. Uh, Who I don't know. I'm not going to make accusations or assumptions about our president's soul and whether or not he's a Christian or not. If he claims to be a Christian, then by all means, I'll go ahead and believe that. But Jesus did say, "You will know them by their fruits." And the example our president sets with his constant arguing, his constant uh, belittling, and things of those natures—I mean, it does lead me to believe, like, hey, we. If you're claiming to be a Christian, you shouldn't be doing these things. And he that might be where he is on his walk right now. Who knows? But I, I, I do feel a little conflicted when I see these Facebook posts, typically from the older crowd, on how President Trump is this amazing great man of God doing God's amazing work here on earth. And I don't believe that's true. I believe every president of the United States is, uh, you know, God's got his hand on them whether it be a vessel of wrath or a vessel of mercy, God's using them for that purpose. I mean, you can go ahead and read Romans 13. talks about how government is a tool of God. So whether or not that government is something we agree with or not, though, that's not really up to us. Our role as Christians and government is to listen all the way up into the point to where they pretty much try to get us to go against what the Bible says. If that's the case, then... We have a uh, obligation to not listen at that point. I mean, you can go ahead and look at what Peter had to tell the Pharisees when he got dragged in there, saying, "Hey, if it comes down between obeying God and man, we're going to obey God. He ain't going to be a man." So this pastor, uh, his name is Pastor Keith Mains, formerly of East. S- oh man, I'm going to mess up this this. Uh, word here, but Sagatuk Church of Holland, Michigan, uh, he preached his final sermon outdoors. Michigan was another one that's been hit up really hard about the coronavirus stuff, um, and he's actually a pastor of a Reformed church congregation, so Reformed church, you know, that's typically kind of me. I'm kind of a Reformed type of theology guy, but he preached his final sermon on October 11th and telling them that he felt the church has abandoned its role in not holding Trump more accountable. And he said, there is a quote from Martin Luther King where he said, the church must be reminded that it is not the master or the servant of the state, but rather the conscience of the state. Uh, so essentially kind of feeding in, I'm not going to get into Martin Luther King's theology and what he believed. We can get into that on another topic. But essentially what Martin Luther King was saying in that statement was that uh we need to be the conscious for the government. Uh, it's up to a debate on what you want to believe. Uh, but the question, he, he went on to continue saying, the the question of the church largely and how it has functioned in this moment has been very disturbing. That's been troubling enough that I need to lay it all down. Uh, the article reads, according to the pastor, he had to be very careful not to speak about his issues with Trump, President Trump, with members of his congregation, adding that it was tearing him up. Maines, who said his dislike of Trump over the rhetoric and the actions, had been building for years and went on to tell Sentinel that other clergy had similar feelings. He said in a quote, It's not only me, but quite a number of pastors I know, uh, just like, this is it? All this preaching we did about Jesus and there's this big of a disconnect? He continued saying, I think that's a real burden on a lot of pastors' hearts. I love these people. I love God. I love Jesus. I love the church. But there's something happening here. <sighs> so that's another, you know, he, he's sticking to his convictions. But at the same time, is it really right to go ahead and step down at that point? Um. You know, I I don't think it is. I'm I'm 100% for the separation of church and state. You know, you keep the state out of the church. State has no place inside the church. Uh, But at the same time, you know, for a pastor to... And I can understand what he's talking about, how he's torn up about it. He sees the rhetoric and just the stuff that we were just talking about. And he's tore up over this. But at the same time, is that reason enough to leave your flock? Uh, I don't think so. I think he should have, you know, this This is something internally that he's got to deal with between him and God. Uh, maybe it was time for him to step down. Maybe this wasn't his calling. But I don't think in, in the essence of the whole truth, you know, just looking at the broad term, that a pastor should leave based off of this. But, hey, that's what happens. Uh, speaking of pastors, let's go ahead and check on our good buddy, John MacArthur. So if uh, you haven't been tracking Pastor John MacArthur over at Grace Church and Grace Community Church in California, California has faced such crazy church rules with this whole coronavirus stuff. And man, um, he's been kind of at the forefront because He opened his doors to the church. Uh, He closed, he initially closed his doors when the coronavirus came out, just like pretty much every church did. And then once he saw, just like my church, once he saw that the hype was not matching what was actually out there, he reopened his doors. He said people actually just started showing up and he wasn't going to stop them. And now the state of California has a vendetta against him and they are going out to get him because now he's pretty much preaching to a full house every week, no masks, no social distancing, all indoors, um, and he's, uh, he's he's leading that charge. And so far, every attempt that the state of California has tried to shut him down hasn't worked. <sighs> Don't mind that crunching. That's just me taking a sip of water. Uh, so, what's been going on with him, really, uh, essentially... Well, it's everything I just said. (laughs) The state of California has pretty much just been piling on litigation and all these things, trying to pretty much sue him, file lawsuits against him, uh, everything that they can possibly do to shut that church down. And every time it goes to the court, it gets turned back down because they see no real reason. Plus, they also have a lawsuit against the state of California for shutting down churches, which should be an essential service. I mean, we get into this whole coronavirus talk. I mean, I was talking to my wife about, you know, why was it that mom pop shops had to close down, but Walmart and Target had to stay open? Why was it that churches had to close down, but Walmart and Target got to stay open? I mean, just doesn't make much sense to me. <sighs> People are claiming that he's politicizing science and uh, they were making fun of his statement he made a week ago. He said, God intended this, uh, God intended it as a disposable planet. And so he's, uh, going, there's the climate change alarms going off for some people, you know, which is reality. I mean, the whole climate change thing, my gosh, I mean, I, you know, I'm all about keeping the earth clean. Trust me. I really am. I, 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 am an avid fisherman. I love to fish and I'm all about keeping the earth clean and keeping the waters clean and, uh, not dirtying up the air. I'm all about that. But I'm also smart enough to know, well, actually, I won't say smart enough. God has opened my eyes enough to know that that's not how the world's going to end. The world's not going to end because of global warming or human pollution or anything like that. The world's going to end when God wants it to end. We know how the story ends. We have our Bibles. So that's essentially you know, the stance that I take with it. I'm going to pick up trash when I see trash. I'm going to throw away my trash properly. I'm going to do what I can to keep the air clean and the water clean. But I'm also not going to make my entire rhetoric of my life about this, like, you know, save the trees and, you know, all this stuff. People make their living off climate change stuff. I, I really I really don't care uh, what you have to say about it. I'm, I'm going to be a decent human being and... Uh, if there is such a thing, which there isn't, <laughs> not until God's grace comes in, at least. Uh, but I'm gonna do what I am, you know, believe is right, and that's keep everything as clean as possible. But at the same time, I know it's not gonna end that way. All right. So now that we've gone through a flurry of news, this is once again, like I said, I'm gonna try to come up with a better way. To do all this uh, with this Christian news stuff, I do want to. I, I wanted to do this because I thought it would be great to just kind of talk about some headline stuff. We're not going to deep dive too much into, it, but just see what's going out there in the Christian community. So that way, some of these stories that you might never hear about get out there and get told. I mean, it's not like I got a huge audience, anyways. But who, knows, you know, who knows who's out there listening? Maybe it it might lead you to pray for something, or just be aware of what's going out in the world today in Christianity. Uh, and if you have any suggestions, go ahead, head over to our Twitter, head over to our Facebook page, write any suggestions on if you like this, you know, bringing up Christian news, or if you just want it, you know, Hey, just stick to uh, reading scripture, Tim. <laughs> and I'll, I'll go ahead and do that. But anyways, thanks for y'all's time. And y'all have a wonderful one uh, coming back in full force. I'm hoping, you know, as long as uh, the weather plays right and the army plays right with me, I can start coming back out on a schedule and getting right back into our Bible studies and our topical studies. All right, this is Tim with I Believe Now What? Y'all have a good one.